All right. Thanks for quieting down. That was a really quick response. Um, I didn't mean to be so abrupt. I'm really sorry for that we don't have enough books. I, there's a lot of people here. Um, I'll order some more books this week. I have copies of this week's chapter and next week's chapter. If you, if you don't have a book, let me know. And I'll get them to you. And if you don't have a book, we'll get you a book next week. Let's, uh, let's start with a word of prayer. Lord God, Heavenly Father, you are gracious and righteous and merciful. You have delivered our souls from death, our eyes from tears, and our feet from stumbling. Grant that, walking in your word, we may always stand before you in the land of the living. In your most holy name we pray. Amen. All right. Let's start off with any questions. Uh, let's start off with like this. Anything left over from last week that you want to talk about? What did you talk about last week? I wasn't here, so. Okay, all right. So you talked about some some things about uh, presumably a friendship, right? What kinds of things did anything st- stand out to you that you that you discussed about friendship, about God and friendship that you uh, remember well from last week? Anything? Perfect. This is great. Let's move on to this week then. <laughs> now, so not all of you had a chance to read um, this chapter. This chapter is on clothing, which is sort of the title, the title chapter of the book, right? Wearing God. Um, there's a lot in here, a lot of interesting things. Um, I'll just confess right off the bat that as soon as she started talking about sitting in a department store, I kind of checked out. Um, so I, most, of my, most of my time spent thinking, was th- I was thinking about what is a, this is, I, I was thinking about what is a biblical theology of clothing. What does the Bible have to say about clothing? So ho- hopefully we'll get to talk about that a little bit. But in the meantime, I need you to help me out with uh, what she says. What's, what's she after in this chapter on clothing? Putting on Christ. Okay. Wearing Christ. Okay, so now, um, let's, uh, first of all, where does that come from? Galatians, yeah. Um, Galatians. Yes. And it goes on, right? The armor, yeah. So the, now this is really, this is notable. Um, so the places, the, the number of instances where um, you put on a person rather than what's actually garments is, are very few. One is here in Galatians 3. There's another one that shows up in Judges. It's really kind of interesting. Let me just um, read this to you. There's this fellow Gideon. And where is it? Um, He is, you know, called to fight for the Israelites, and um, they, the Spirit of the Lord. This is this is how it's described. What the Midianites and the Amalekites and the people of these came together, and they crossed the Jordan. They encamped against Israel, but the Spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon, um, which is so. It's not novel to the New Testament. It's not novel to Paul. 
talking about putting on Christ, putting on God, wearing God, although it's perhaps a bit more understandable when we talk about being clothed with the Spirit. Um, here's Here's what Paul says in Galatians 3. As many as you, let's see, starting at verse 23. Before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then, the law was our guardian until Christ came, in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. So we don't need, we no longer need um, the, the boundaries, the regulations, the, the markers, the external markers of belonging to the people of God because that was just a guardian for a time. That was just what set the people of Israel apart for a time. Now, in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. So now you are all children of Abraham through faith. And what does that faith do? For as many as you were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. And then this, he explains it a bit. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male or female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. So, when, Yeah, Krista. Uh, I don't want to interrupt you. No, go ahead. But I thought, uh, right from the beginning, I thought because um, Adam and Eve were naked. Yeah. And uh, I thought it was so wonderful as you wrote here, yeah, God bent over stitching her garment for Adam and Eve. Right. And imagine that God is sad while sitting. And I imagine God sits as one of other tenderness. I know you have to leave, but here is one last thing I can do for you before you go. Yeah, it is, it's, a nice, it's a very nice description, right? So, this is from, so in Genesis, the end of chapter 2, Adam and Eve were in the garden and they were both naked, but they were not ashamed. Then in chapter 3, they sin and they hide from God. And when God comes calling, they say, we hid from you because we were ashamed because we were naked. Who told you that you were naked? It was the serpent, right? And now they had patched together for themselves garments made of leaves and God did one better. He made them garments made of skin, right? Um, and this, this is actually a really important connection to make. Uh, go ahead, Shirley. But also in Galatians 6, it's about That's right. So in Galatians 3, um, the center, the birth, the clothing happens... In, in baptism, right? And this is, why, this is why it's not a trivial thing that uh, we have baptismal garments. And you, you might know that it used to be the custom that you'd come into church um, not, when you're going to be baptized wearing something other than your baptismal garment. You'd be stripped down, baptized, and then a new garment would be put on, right? Because what does that signify? Nothing other than that, what the, that you've put off the old and put on the new. Um, I suggested that we do that with Matthias, but that suggestion didn't... Uh, having, having a naked baby in the middle of the church wasn't really... It wasn't a good idea. I'll just say that. Okay. Um, so now in Genesis 2 and 3, this, let's, let's think about this for a second. Um, this, is, this is a really important connection to make. We've got clothing in Galatians, namely Jesus Christ, and we've got clothing in Genesis. What is the relationship between... These two kinds of clothing, or what's different about them? 
Holly. Okay. So the clothing in um, Genesis is just baity, uh, meeting basic needs, you could say. And this is, well, this is doing the same, sort of similarly, meeting a basic need. Yeah? Can you also put in there, like, uh, Ezekiel 37, where the dry bones get clothed with, well, it doesn't say clothed, but... But it sure seems like they get clothed with... He breathes on them, and then he lays sinew upon them, and he says, I'll cause flesh to come upon you, and now that you will know that I have the Lord Right. Yeah. So... At least, at least in your mind, you, you can have this image of the dry bones being clothed with new flesh, right? Um, we'll, we'll have to put clothed in quotation marks because it's not in the text. Um, but the image, the image is really very prevalent. And in fact, in Ezekiel, clothing is really, really important. The, in, so in chapters 40 through 48 of Ezekiel, Ezekiel has a vision. He's given a vision of the new temple, which is, um, he, de- he delivers this vision. He re- reports this vision to the people as a, a rebuke. You guys hadn't done what, what you were called to do, but on that day, in that day, this is what it's going to be like. And here's going to be this temple. And he gives all the, di- interestingly, he gives all the dimensions for the temple. And he describes the priesthood in the new temple. So we're talking about heaven. We're talking about the new temple, the new Jerusalem, and there he's really concerned about clothing. So uh, he says the priests, um, when they go into the most holy place, uh, they have to take off their clothing before they come out and put on new clothing, lest they communicate holiness to the people. Um, it's this really interesting thing that ties back to Leviticus, where clothing is just like your skin, um, and your whole, your whole person, clothing can be clean and unclean, can be defiled by dead bodies, by leprosy, by anything, uh, but by many things. Um, and so there's, this is a really uh, important thing to note, that clothing is not something incidental in the Bible. It's not something that um, is, is separate from you. So just as, this is, this is an insight Pastor Nelson um, uh, gained from some of the, this is the reading he's been doing on a theology of the body. You might have heard him say this. You're not, um, you, you don't have a body. You aren't a person who has a body. You are a body, right? You are a body. And this is really important. Um, Paul is after this in, Galat- in 1 Corinthians. People were denying the resurrection of the body. And Paul says, no. Uh, it was sown an Im, uh, a perishable body, but it will be an imperishable body. It was sown a fleshly body, but you will be raised in a spiritual body. Now think about that. A spiritual body, that's a, a contradiction in terms, right? A spirit doesn't have a body, but you do, right? Um, and this is where the incarnation becomes is sort of the picture. We are made, remade in the image of Christ, who is God in flesh, right? This paradox, this contradiction in terms, so that your bodies are not something that belongs to you, but they are you. And so the resurrection matters, 
The resurrection of your flesh matters. What happens to your flesh matters, um, both both for good and for bad. So God says the 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 you know the, the things that you consider deformities in your flesh now you will have glorified, redeemed, made new in His kingdom. Right. Um, even so, extending that a little bit further, um, clothing clothing is is by extension plays a similar role. It's sort of it's sort of inseparable. You're wearing the clothing, you touch a dead body, you and your clothes are unclean, right? The priests go into the most holy place. They are sanct, they're washed and consecrated. They and their clothing are holy, set aside for this holy purpose. Remember the story of the woman who touches the hem of Jesus' garment, right? She says, if only I can touch... Why would she say that? I mean, it, I, I mean, this is... I think this is... Maybe this is just me, but I think of clothing as being separate from the person, right? I don't really feel like if I've touched your clothing, I've necessarily touched you, right? Um, if I grab onto the... If I'm, like... Uh, maybe maybe it's, it's sort of... It, it grabs your attention, but it's not the same as touching you, the person. Well, Carol, go ahead. Right, right. So there, so this is this sort of underlies everything, and I don't. But even touching the hem, you might not even notice, honestly. Yeah, unless you're Jesus. Right. So. So there's, there is something here that is really hard for us to grasp and sort of flies in the face of a lot of things we think of, that we sort of assume about our relationship to the material world, right? So we, by nature, are um, Gnostics. We, by nature, want to separate the spiritual from the material because the things that we see all around us are corrupt. We don't, the things of the flesh, you know, we would, it, it, it would be better if we could just sort of put everything off and... Move, move on from the flesh. This is, not, this is not how it works. God has created you, body and soul. It is your flesh. It is your flesh that he wants. Not just, not just your soul. Um, and so, the touch is eminently important. Um, the, word for, the word for a leprous, I was reading about this because of the text from, for Sunday, the word for leprosy is actually the same word for uh, it's, it's generically a word for affliction, but it comes from the same word for touch. So you've been touched by something. If, you're le- if you have a leprous spot, you've been touched by something. Interestingly, this is now, this is just for, I'm going on and on now, but that's okay, right? Um, if, you have, if, you're, if you have a leprous spot on you, your skin turns white, and um, so they, they check you, and you're, you're quarantined, right? If the leprosy hasn't spread, and there's no flesh exposed, so it's just the white spot, and the hair hasn't turned white, you're okay. You can be called clean again. But if there's flesh exposed underneath, or your hair is turned white, you're, you're a leper, you're unclean. Now, there's this really remarkable thing, and, and, and again, the word is, uh, been, you've been touched. You've been touched, over and over again. If you were reading it in Hebrew, you, would, you couldn't ignore the, the, the connection. Now, there's this really puzzling thing that happens if your whole body turns leprous and there's no flesh exposed, all of a sudden you're clean again. Because all of you has been touched. 
which makes you makes you wonder about who the who the agent of that touch is whether if it so maybe it's not as you we think an an affliction from the devil or something evil but maybe it's specifically God's working um, a way God separates people and then and then here's the connection to clothing again uh, a priest was never to tear his garments never to tear his clothing and never to let his hair hang loose but if you were a leper you were to um, tear your clothes let your hair hang loose and put your hand over your mouth like this and yell unclean all, unclean all day long right so it was it was uh, not just so your, your clothing uh, signified this, but it was also integral to who you were. So the priests couldn't tear their clothing because being, having torn clothing meant you were unclean, right? Surely you, you were going to say something. Yeah, I also wanted to when they speak of uh, entering the temple, they said the priests would take the clothing and tell them they also think that the temple becomes narrow because they have chosen to Sure, yeah. I'll have to look. I'll have to look more. Careful. I don't. I don't. I, that's. Uh, it was like in Ezekiel yeah. I mean, Ezekiel is, is very interested in in clothing. Yeah. Okay. So now we've gone far afield. Yes, Marilyn. No, please. Sure. That's bad news. Right. Oh, absolutely not. So, um, not only. Not only was the so not only was he unclean, but in order to serve in the temple, you had to be consecrated, which is a, is on a, a different different plane than cleanness. So you have yeah. clean and unclean, mm-hmm. and then you have holy, yeah. right? So if you're unclean, okay. can't be holy, right? Yeah. Um, so he could he could rent his clothing. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Because I'm I'm thinking they were Levites or they were born in that. Yeah. So I thought they were automatic. Are they automatically priests, the firstborn, or whatever? Oh uh, boy! They, they, so all the Levites served in the temple, but the but the but the priesthood belonged to specific specific people on, in among the Levites. Um, so and that was a familial thing, right? So, in fact, um, in Ezekiel. It's talking about the, the lineage of Zadok the priest, Zadok who was the priest at the time of David, right? So it's, it's descended from the family. Okay. Um, come back to this for just a second, unless you have another question. Okay. Um, so clothing in Genesis 2 and 3 um, is for survival. And clothing in Galatians 3 is for survival in a way too. A different kind of survival, perhaps maybe the same kind of survival, depending on how you think about your, your your flesh. Now, what else? So in Genesis two and three, they were ashamed. So what does their what does the clothing do for them? Covers their shame. Um, there, uh, that again is a really strong connection to Galatians three. Because what does your baptism do? Um, what does putting on Christ do? It it covers it it, it covers everything that's been so. You, you unclothed with righteousness are walking around exposed, right? Vulnerable, completely vulnerable, exposed um, to the accusations of Satan, right? And, and the accusations of uh, everybody around you who could see your sin. Clothed with, right, clothed with righteousness, clothed with Christ's righteousness, is covered. Your shame is covered. Holly. 
Yeah. And then God gives us skin. I was like, that's not my baseline. No, I think, so I was really... We have skin, and then he gives us fur, but... <laughs> it was a way to open my mind. Yeah, so it, it was very interesting to me that that was her sort of basic reading of it, that this is what she had assumed. This, so for those of you who didn't get a chance to read it, this is how she began. She says, uh, have you ever had the experience of reading something and automatically assuming you know what it means? This is what she experienced with the garments of skin God stitched for Adam and Eve. Uh, she assumed, let's see, page 33, that God clothed Adam and Eve with their own skin, um, which, it, which is a kind of a, paints a whole new picture, right? Uh, did any of you ever think that was what they meant? Yeah, right. Uh, with that also, like, created in the image of God. So what would that mean? That, that connection between God and man. Right. Right. So this is where, this is where, um, so the, so the clothing serves a special purpose that is needed, um, now that they're no longer in the garden. They had everything they needed in the garden. They had everything they needed. And, um, they, so you might think, you might think, uh, as she did, that you could get, I don't know, anybody know what would happen if you didn't have any skin? I think things would fall out, right? Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, it's it just the, your skin is is integral to your body. It holds it holds you together, right? So it's not like I think I think she's I think it's a stretch. It's just although it's very interesting. I think it's a stretch to um, to to think that uh, skin was something they needed after the fall and wasn't in, integral to what they were before the fall. Um, it doesn't. It also doesn't fit with the reading of the text, like the way the text goes. Um, mm-hmm. Right, right. So they, they were clothed in their own skin. Um, the, oh, so this, what, what this really highlights, and this, I, I think, if you come away with anything, um, I want you to, this to be it, what you come away with, um, is to think about uh, clothing, what you put on. So not. I don't mean. Strictly speaking, the clothing that you're wearing right now, but like what you put on, how you're put together matters, right? What covers you, what covers your uh, humanity matters. And God is eminently concerned with that. Um, from the beginning, so he, he clothes, so he clothes you, he forms you from the dust of the earth and he clothes you with skin, um, but then you're exposed, you're, sh- you're shamed and you're vulnerable. So he, provides another layer, right? And then in Galatians 3, we hear, we hear about this, this additional need that we have, right? So it's, not, it's no longer on the plane of just sort of common need, um, hiding, hiding ourselves from each other and from, from God's sight, but from judgment. We need to be hidden, we need to be hidden from judgment, okay? Um, let's go back to the book for just a second here. We'll come, we'll come back here in a second. But anything else from the book that stood out to you? Krista. What, what I, uh, I really like in this book, in a certain way, you know, the uniforms. Yeah, right. Because, um, you know, that you are uh, present uh, something when you wear a uniform. Right. And I was a nurse, and uh, we are really nice nurses. <laughs> um, 
with clothing and yeah. and everything. You know, so we are really proud of our uniform. Right. Yeah. And I thought uh, that's something what you represent. Right. So, so now we, here's the, here's the thing to, that I want to challenge you to do. We tend to think of it as only as, as being symbolic, only a signifier. So you could put on a, somebody, a, a uniform and people might mistake you for somebody who, who is, you could put, put on a, a policeman's uniform and people might mistake you for a policeman. But you're not, you're not a policeman, right? Um, but when a policeman wears that uniform, it actually does something, right? It, it, it gives him the authority to do what he does. And it communicates to people who he is so that they understand his, his, his job. But just like, for instance, uniform and stuff, people many times just see the uniform. Right. Where in her book, too, sometimes people just see the clothing. It's, how should I say, it's not, uh, sometimes it's superficial. Sure, right. And that, and that, I think, is perhaps when we, uh, when we, especially when we undervalue just what our clothing is to do, uh, or what what um, garments do. Do they just dress up something that is uh, that needs to be dressed up, or are they somehow integral to who we are? Surely. Which also then brings me back to kind of what Holly said too. In reading about the clothing, I was eh, okay, but I was more concerned about. Right. That's my type of clothing. That when you, when you wear your clothing to your friends and to your either people around you, your community and stuff, you have it on the right side. And that's more of a sure. how I attention, even though she doesn't mention that. Right. But I, I see more in the, in the biblical sense <coughs> spiritual in the Bible. I was more alerted to the armor of Christ rather than the clothing of Right. And so, the, and so the one thing I would say to that is um, these things are all connected, right? So we have, to keep, we, we have to sort of keep them connected. God actually stitched together clothing for, uh, for, the, for Adam and Eve. The priests actually wore clothing, and they will actually wear clothing. And that matters, right? Holly. Uh, I, I got sad because for the end of the chapter, Yeah. I feel like it's the same old story that women have been wrestling with from the beginning of time. You know, this not feeling like they're the right shape, size, and don't have the right clothes, so style. Right. And so we could get rid of that. <laughs> why, yeah. Why we can't just like turn and see what Christ sees for us, or you know, when he looks at us and the beauty that he's right. Right. I mean, so in some ways, in some ways, what um, clothing often amounts to is is idolatry, right? An attempt to do what Christ has already done for you. Um, there was a there was a hand in yeah, Brittany. Yeah, one thing I was curious about your thoughts on a few of thoughts reading through was the part when she talks about on um, um, maybe I won't say it quite right, but. I thought it was interesting and I didn't really like it with her saying that Adam and Eve going against what God... I didn't like it either. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, going yeah. against what God commanded and then him giving them those clothes and sending them out was part of his plan. Yeah. And that, I didn't... It's hogwash, right? Yeah. 
Okay. So she, so she, she, that you, you, that it is. Yes. Yes. Don't believe that. Um, but, but you, but what, but here's, here's why she says it. She, and this will be helpful as we read the rest of it. Um, she, she, she wants to have her cake and eat it, right? So she, so notice how she says, um, it might be that they were clothed with their skin. It might be that they were clothed with skins of animals. It can't be both. It's either one or the other. And you can't, you don't, there are some things in scripture which you can interpret with ambiguity and you, you gain something from that. So for instance, when John says, um, uh, in, in John chapter one, um, this is, this, this is actually a helpful, helpful paradigm. John chapter one, he says, Verse 5, so here's the verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him not anything was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in darkness, and the darkness has not mastered it. Um, it's, so this is, it, it's unclear whether that means the darkness has not um, overcome the light or the darkness has not understood the light and both both are very interesting and helpful interpretations but there are many things which are not ambiguous and if you if you if you try and hold them as in, hold them in tension so you say oh, it might be this it might be this um, and both are great they both give us good insights um, you run the risk of just of saying that it doesn't really matter what scripture says it doesn't really matter what actually happened because it does matter um, and and, and this actually does matter immensely for how we understand clothing. Because if, if God, if, um, so for one thing, if God's com- creation wasn't complete, then that throws everything off, right? If, if God needed them to fall into sin in order to complete his creation, then we're in a, we got, we got, we got problems, right? Um, we do say, interestingly, um, uh, this, O Felix culpa, O, o happy fault. Oh, happy fault. Because um, if they hadn't fallen into sin, we wouldn't have seen God's love manifest in Christ. But that doesn't mean that it was good, right? It wasn't what God intended. Um, yeah. Yeah. And who knows what would have come next, right? Who knows whether, had they not eaten, had they not grasped at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, whether they would have been given knowledge and wisdom, right? Who knows? Yeah. Right. I mean, so, so, they, so faith exists before and after the fall. Faith is this relationship where you assent to God. You say, yeah, God says this, and you say, okay. Right? You say, Amen. Um, and that was true before and after, except when they said, they said, nah, not okay. It ruined everything. It knocked everything out of whack. Um, so the, their, their relationship to God um, before was this perfect relationship, but, but became corruptible, became subject to corrupt, corruption. Nancy. Oh yeah. And I think that was a good image because it isn't like 
skins or whatever were just what they were. But we also interpret or we can wear Christ in different ways. Right. And, and so now this is this was I think perhaps the most valuable insight. Where I, I should I'm borrowing Pastor Nelson's book, so I was wary about marking in it. Um, I did mark in it a bit. Um, it's near the end. She says, she, she makes this turn. She says, you see that I've been talking all this time about how we use clothing. We, we are the agents in clothing. But maybe, she, she says, maybe we should think about God, what God intends for us with the, with the clothing that he, with which he clothes us. It's where, it's where he's talking about, anybody know where that is? Um, God clothes. Um, page 53. God is our clothing. Um, in any case, the point, the point is um, that, when, that if, you're, if, if, if you're thinking about wearing God, about putting on Christ, is what can I do with Christ? What, you know, what, um, what, what does this outfit, um, how, can I, how can I manipulate it, use it to my advantage, right? Then you got it all wrong because what it does is it tells you about who you are, right? Um, and this is an interesting thing. Have any of you read the story, um, The Clothes Make the Man? The short story, The Clothes Make the Man? It's, a, it's like two pages long. Look, you should look it up. Um, I'll tell you it. There's a, there are three criminals. One of them is named Tango. I don't remember the other two names. But Tango is given the job of uh, putting on a policeman's uniform and walking a beat in front of a house that the other two criminals were robbing. And the point was, he could he would give the the semblance of that nothing was nothing was wrong, and then he could also alert them if anybody was coming. So he's walking. So so he and he's kind of he's a little bit uh, unsure about his relationship to these other two guys, but he's just doing what they said because he's going to get a share of the loot. So he's walking up and down. He's got this uh, this outfit on, and then all of a sudden there's a lieutenant walking towards him, and he's. His instinct is to turn and run, but then he remembers he has this uniform on, and so he salutes the lieutenant, and the lieutenant salutes him back, and, and he's like, oh, this is great. Um, he, thinks I, he thinks I'm the kind of person who fits in this outfit. And then he comes across this woman who's struggling to cross the street, and he walks out into the middle street and stops the traffic and lets her across. And, uh, and, and he really delights in the way that she, she turns and, and thanks him you know, again, even after he's walked away. And then... Uh, He's, he's walking along, and this is the, sort of the third episode. There's um, somebody, who, a drunk, who's just cursing him. You crummy cop, you know. Uh, you, don't, you, don't, you always pick on the little guys. You don't, ever help, you don't ever get the guys who are actually doing anything wrong. And he's, he's outraged by this. He, he is incensed. And he's about to like, throw this guy into the gutter. And then his two buddies come out of the house. And he realizes, he looks at what he's doing, and... They say, what are you doing? You're, you're going to draw all kinds of attention. And he looks at, and he thinks about what the guy said, and he stops and says, they're criminals. They're stealing from the house. We need to arrest them. Um, because, he, because he has been formed uh, by what he was wearing, right? So he, um, it, there, was this, there was this sort of resonance. Um, people saw him a certain way because of what he was wearing, and then he, he filled out that that persona um, because, because he, it was good, because it was good. Um, and this is the way it works with wearing Christ. So Paul encourages us all the time to, um, this is what he does in Ephesians. He ta- says, you know, y- you've got, um, 
You were there, now you're here. You were dead, now you're alive. Um, Now you've put on Christ. So walk like it. Walk like somebody who's wearing Christ. And when you do, what you find, so that you might, you might, you might know what you, yeah, you almost certainly know what you're like under the surface, right? Underneath Christ, you know, you know that you're just a lousy criminal, right? Underneath that uniform, you know you're legit just a lousy criminal. But um, Christ says to you otherwise. He says, no, when you're wearing me, you are me, right? So act like it. And, you, and, you'll be, and, you, and Paul basically says, this is good for you. You'll be surprised at what, you, at, what, at what happens. You'll be living as you're supposed to live, and Christ will be doing things through you. He'll be working through you. It's not you. It's him. Krista. Uh, uh, I just only want to mention it. You know, I think uh, when you wear a uniform, I think that um, <coughs> for others uh, that you are be respected mm-hmm. and uh, you expect um, a kind of a discipline from others. Mm-hmm. I think that's such a lack in our society, especially in Chicago, I think. Um, and... Um, that uh, some days ago, there's that uh, 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 police who said, yeah, the, the young black people, they are missing, they, they have no discipline um, in, in um, that they are recognized the authority. You know, and, uh, and I think when you have no discipline, there is no order, and there is... Um, and how can you protect? Right. So this is, this is where I think it's really helpful for us to um, think carefully about what, what the Bible says about clothing. Because um, if, we want, if we just sort of say uniform, what you wear in, 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 in life, what you wear doesn't matter, um, and how you, how you carry yourself doesn't matter, and the boundaries that are established by different garments. So this is true in the temple, right? The priests wear different garments. This is true here at church. We wear different... I'm fortunate I don't have to pick out an outfit every day, right? <laughs> I just wear the same thing every day. Um, interestingly, I, uh, a friend of mine um, in the community that he serves wears this kind of a collar deliberately as opposed to a tab collar because he doesn't want to be mistaken for a Roman Catholic priest. Not because of particular animosity towards the Roman Catholic priests, but because people in that town make assumptions about Roman Catholic priests. So um, how you, what you wear establishes certain boundaries. It sets boundaries. And we, can't, we don't live in a world that doesn't have boundaries. So when Paul says um, there's neither Jew nor Greek, male nor female, slave nor free, he's not saying God has just eradicated the difference between clean and unclean, holy and unholy. But what he's saying is, you are all, because you're wearing Christ, are holy. You're clean. Um, and so, and so that's, that's where sort of um, our, our mentality about uh, liberalism, liberalism in the, sort of the classical sense, that, you can, that, that distinctions don't matter, but that, um, that uh, there, are, there ought to be no boundaries um, it's really kind of a dangerous thing, right? It's a, it's a dangerous notion because then you lose order. You lose the order that God has established. And this is true. This is why it matters that in the new temple there are priests 
uh, oh, that only the priests get to go into the most holy place. Have you, I mean, isn't that a strange thing? You'd think we, uh, we egalitarians, we uh, Democrats want everybody in heaven to be able to go into the most holy place. Well, um, you don't get to, right? The priests do. But that doesn't mean you are any worse for it. It's just not what you've been given, right? It's not what you've been given. And, and, and that's, that's what uh, Christ does to our wills and to our hearts. He makes us um, agree with God and say, say to the things that God gives us, yeah, that's for me. Thank you very much. Right? I mean, it's, it's the same thing that happened with Lucifer, Satan, trying to, be, trying to ascend the ranks of angels, Adam and Eve trying to be like God. It wasn't bad that they weren't like God. Uh, it was bad that they, they uh, didn't take what they were given. Okay. I'm not sure, have we said anything really cohesive here? Do um, you have any questions? Yeah, Marilyn. There's one thing that I have all my life found interesting, and she mentioned that how the, in Revelation you wash your robes in the blood of the Lamb. Yeah. And it, as a laundry mother, yep. over and over again, blood is an awful thing to take out. Yeah. And to imagine that you can wash your robes in the blood of the Lamb and make them white. Uh-huh. It's like, that, what a miracle. <laughs> it is a miracle. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and how, and, and how it's not, it means it's not trivial. It's not just like, um, you know, uh, fixing yourself up and being, put, 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 putting yourself together and being um, well-dressed for an occasion. This is something completely different as being described. It's so, uh, Here's how, here's how significant it is, what you wear. Um, the priests were not allowed, nobody was allowed to wear garments that were made of, of mixed materials. Linen and wool. Couldn't, you couldn't wear garments that were made of linen and wool. Um, it was one or the other. And the priests, only linen. Only linen. Um, so, the, so the exercise for us, and this, this is, um, I have a bunch of verses here. Maybe I'll... Uh, you, so here's the exercise for you. Think, think through the places in the Bible where you know that clothing is significant and try to, um, have, using this discussion, try and think about what it means sort of on a, on a uh, what it means for your person, not just, not just an external thing, not just something that is incidental to you, but what it means for your person. So, when um, when Jesus says in Matthew 22 that you on the last day are going to um, come before him and he's going to say to you, um, you, clothed, you clothed me when I was naked, and you say, I didn't I remember doing that. Um, and he's going to say, well, you, whenever you did it to the least of one of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Um, it's not just that you're doing a nice thing for somebody by putting clothes on their back, but you're actually doing something that pertains to their person, uh, their humanity, which is what God cares about, right? So you're caring for the whole person. You're not just dressing up a corpse, right? You're not just dressing up some measly flesh will be done, with, done away with. You're caring for that body. Okay? Any questions? Let's pray. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. 
Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. The next chapter for next week, which is about smell. Um, I'll have more books next week. We'll have more books.